When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. I'm in my basement in Blighty, but far more excitingly, Andy Mitten and Laurie Whitwell are buddied up at Real Betis. We're going to speak about Manchester United's second leg victory that saw them through to the quarter-finals in Spain. We'll also preview another cup knockout tie that's coming up this weekend and round up the latest Manchester United news. But most importantly, what on earth have you two been up to? I've been waiting here for half an hour. Well, can I can I start just because I thought that Andy Mitten had got the most Andy Mitten I'd ever seen before the game, which is that you know I'm, I'm arriving at the stadium... There's a big crowd. Taking pictures of an empty stadium, was he? Well, we'll get on to that, actually. We actually had some stadium chat before the game, or during the game as it was going on, and Andy was giving me chapter and verse about the history of this place, which is actually really interesting. I was, I was actually... I've been won over to his side of stadium Makes Phantom. change for one of Andy's stories, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> Stay tuned, listeners, for that one. Um, but I, I'm taking pictures. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm arriving sort of the Spanish... Spanish time, a bit, bit late, I suppose, for the game, but it's all cordoned off. Fans everywhere, Betis fans everywhere. The, the buses are coming in. No one can get past the police cordon. I'm like, this is going to take a while, and I really need to get in and start doing some work. And who do I see? But Andy Mitten, way beyond the barriers, in the VIP section, filming happily, you know, as you like. And I thought, well, he gets where water can't, Andy Mitten. I was in the street. It wasn't a VIP section. I was filming ultras in the street. It was roped off, so I'm calling that a VIP section. I flashed my press card and I got through the barrier. (laughs) Carry on. But it turns out that isn't the most VIP he's got today. No? Okay. Andy, if you care. I mean, listen, I've I've just laid the red carpet there for you to walk down it. Last week I I interviewed for the Athletic website, available to all good subscribers, uh, Guido Rodriguez, the Argentinian midfielder. Well done for getting his name right this time. And we and we got on we got on well, and he said, "Give me a shout when you come to Seville." And I don't have his number, so I didn't do that. <laughs> so after the game in the mix zone, I did my job and spoke to various people. And one of the ladies from Real Betis said, um, "Guido wants to see you." I said, "Sound?" She said, uh, "Are you? Can you can you wait here in 15 minutes?" And I'm thinking, Laurie Whitwell and you or Guido Rodriguez. So I said, right, I'm going to go and see my mate. She went, well, I've told him you, you're going to see him now. Why don't you come down to the dressing room? So I got <laughs> led through to Real Betis' dressing room. Past all, You've done what? Past all United's kit men. And they're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, just leave me to it, boys. <laughs> and then um, the two Betis players who I've interviewed at, at Lemf, who I got on well with, Borja Iglesias, the striker, and Guido were, were waiting for me. And it was really nice to talk to them not as a journalist not interviewing them just about what it was like to play against Manchester United what it was like to go to Old Trafford 
Hang on, hang on. You're, you're normalising this now. You've been yeah. in the Real Betis dressing room yeah. after the game tonight. I got taken there and um, the players came out. And <laughs> it, it goes back to July 21 when I went on pre-season tour with them and the, the club invited me with them. So I got to know them a bit better than I, I, I might otherwise have known them. Yeah. So I yeah. knew like the kit man and I knew various people. And uh, I've worked a lot on Real Betis after correctly predicting on this podcast that United <laughs> would draw them. So, you know, for, for the Athletic, there's an interview with him, Patrick O'Connell, the guide to Seville, which Laurie's been using today to get himself around the city. Oh, which we'll get on to. I missed out the bit where it said how you get to the Real Betis dressing room, by the way. You left that out, Andy. <laughs> it's good, though, isn't it? Um, it's amazing. I mean, Laurie and I were talking during the match thing. We're, we're, we're very lucky to do what we do. Weren't we? Well, it, what made me think that was just we're in this incredible stadium, which we're still in here, by the way. The lights have all gone out. We're the only people I left in it. I can hear some clattering, but I think we're kind of like the last ones, but we're, hopefully they don't lock us in. Like I got locked in at Goodison Park. I'm still not bitter about that. Um, but it just the fans were brilliant. You know, like they were absolutely potty for it. Before the game, they were being led um, on a march here with megaphone at the front. And, you know, the 4 1 down in this tie, but clearly Manchester United in town is a big deal. But just the, the, the pure passion they had, and they had the, the song before the game with the scarves all out, and you know we're right, right in front of the, the fans, and there's like a, a dad with his young son, must have been four or five, and the son's got his scarf out, and they're properly giving it some, and then he just like ruffles his son's hair at the end of it, and, and kind of gives him a, a kiss on the head, and I'm just like, this is what football's about, like you know, father son at a game, fans really connected to the team, loving it, and trying to trying to will them on. I mean, Andy told me what they were singing at one point. You know, and my Spanish wasn't good enough to pick it up. Yes, we can is what they're yeah, they singing were. They at the start that. of the game, and they, they genuinely believed it. So I was just looking at Andy next to me. It was great watching the match with him actually, because you know, obviously, he could tell me the Spanish, but also just it was nice to experience it with someone else that was feeling the same things as me, which was this is really a lot of fun. And, and obviously, we're privileged by being here as journalists, but I think the United fans would also have agreed with us. Yeah, just to help out anyone, uh, how do you say no, you can't in Spanish, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> no se puede. Andy doesn't know what that is in Spanish because he just gets led everywhere. Get, yes. he, just, he just gets, you know. Yeah, careful. Guido might hear you in Borca as well. Do you know the bit that I, I got from that story? Maybe it's the optimist in me. It's just that um, he actually momentarily said he was going to come and join us rather than go and be in the dressing room. That was his first instinct. Yeah, it's, probably, it's probably just in the just telling the story us that. To bit to yeah. like, at that point, just to, I, just to I ham it up brought a little him, bit. brought him on here. Borja speaks English, and uh, I said to them both, knowing that a couple of Betis directors were listening in. Lads, when you move to Manchester in the future, right, give me a... Sh and you, you could see them both just push forward. I just said, all I want now is a verbal agreement that you're never going to join Manchester City or Liverpool Football Club. And obviously they both signed up to that. So I'm just doing the work of the devil. Absolutely, it's the work of the Red Devils by the sound of it. But being serious, making connections with players is important. And I can remember a young lad um, playing for Zaragoza... Um, and watching him and thinking you've really got something and speaking to him and interviewing him and finding out about him and travelling to speak to him and he moved to Athletic Bilbao and his name was Ander Herrera and when you build a connection with someone like that and then not every player you speak to ends up joining Manchester United I've even had a few who've joined Manchester City including Manuel Pellegrini I knew him when he was at Villarreal and then I blanked him when he moved to England apart from when he joined West Ham and then when he moved to Betis, we uh, got our relationship back on track. And he's a very, very interesting man. I'm glad to hear it, Andy. I'm really pleased. Should we talk about the game of football that broke out yeah, in yeah. front of you two? Yeah. Um, 
bit of a sluggish first half from Manchester United, actually, wasn't it? Sorry to bring the sort of tone down a little bit. It was the first time this season that they didn't manage a shot on target in the first 45 minutes of a game. But, Laurie, they made up for it second half, didn't they? It was much better and quite comfortable in the end, really, wasn't it? Yeah, Tanag said afterwards that that was the concern in the first half, that they were giving up too many counter-attacks. And, and it was. It was a case of not picking the right pass in the final third. And there were opportunities there. You know, you had sort of Marcus Rashford on the last defender, Polistri running in behind. And, and there was that Rashford pass, actually. Hit the post, didn't it? Should have done better. Yeah. And, and so I think that they just needed to be calmer with, with what they were doing on the ball. They, they tried to do that. They tried to take the sting out of the game and, and the fans uh, by taking a bit of time over goal kicks. But in the second half, you know, you could see that the quality started to show. Betis had given, I think, you know, given it the best shot, hadn't they, of, of, um, of, of trying to get back into the tie. And you just thought, I mean, Rashford missing those two chances. Oh, God, it's not going to be as nice. I mean, that second one was, was comically bad, wasn't it? I mean, I'm not sure how far over the bar it was in the end but it was it I was probably I think his, it's still travelling oh, somewhere yeah. <laughs> just outside of Seville I think yeah and, and but then you could see that I mean the way he took that goal was uh, sort of the frustration that you know fueled that that kind of strike I think and and you kind of go right wow I was actually writing a tweet at that point sort of describing his two misses and then I was like I'm glad I didn't hit send before he'd scored <laughs> it would have been bad time <laughs> there'd, there'd be a few quote tweets for yeah. that one I think wouldn't there yeah 27 goals 9 assists in all competitions now for Marcus Rashford the goal made him the outright 6th top scorer in Manchester United's European history going past Ronaldo that we we talked about when he'd scored in the first leg of course it was a first start for Facundo Palestri um, on the right hand side tonight for Manchester United in the absence of Anthony just on Anthony before we move it on we spoke a little bit about him in the last podcast and Carl developed that into a really yeah. revealing article actually about Anthony's output uh, primarily in the Premier League with Mark Carey go and have a look at that if you want but this is Eric Ten Hag speaking about Palestri after his first start for United tonight I think all the plays did very well uh, once again players who come in with us can do the job Give good performance, so we not only have 11 players, we have a squad. And for Pelle, Facundo, yeah, it's great to come in. He had some good comments. He has good performance in training, but yeah, game is different. Uh, in, in, in the start, yeah, he has to come in, but you saw after uh, some minutes, he got belief and he had some really good actions. Defending did definitely his job, so I'm really pleased with his uh, performance. So Eric Ten Hag was impressed with Palestri, Andy. What did you think about how he took his opportunity to start the game? I really hope I don't contradict Eric Ten Hag here because I wasn't in the press conference, so it's my view against Eric Ten Hag's. And Let's he knows, see how accurate he can be he, here, he knows, I've got the quotes here. OK, all right. Um, I thought he started the game quite slowly, but I thought he grew into it. I was impressed with him. I thought he was neat and tidy. He got clattered into in um, one challenge. He got booked, yeah? Yeah, he did. He got yeah, booked. weird booking, though. Did, soft booking. He shouldn't have got booked. He got fouled and then got booked for it. Didn't complain. And I don't think all of his Manchester United teammates would be like that. I was impressed by him. I think it's really important for him to get minutes. I think he's had a good month or so. He's been coming off and making a decent impact. I thought he was really tidy tonight. There was times when he was well out of position and he just kept hold of the ball mm. he rode the tackles I thought he was creative I said a few weeks ago he's got something mm. he's still very young he's still got a long way to go to establish himself as a Manchester United player but I think he's probably at the high point of his Manchester United career go on then tell me that Eric Ten Hag said exactly the same as that 
uh, annoyingly. Almost him. Yeah, it's quite accurate, isn't it? Ian? <laughs> uh, I mean, he the specific point he was making was this is his first start, so it's more difficult to start yeah. a game than it is to kind of come on and make an impact as he has been doing. Slow start. And, yep, yeah. So there we go. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he's usually a tidy, but he, he basically said, yeah, good dribbles, good runs in behind, good crosses. I know he's, that, that'll be next week. I'll probably nick it off Andy after listening to the Season pod. two, I think, tidy, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. Um, one thing that stood out to me tonight, Andy, We've talked a lot about Eric Ten Hag's attitude towards rotation. I felt like in the second half he was just being contrary, wasn't he? He kept Casemiro on for the full 90 minutes and the board went up on the hour mark. I saw Jadon Sancho standing there. I saw Marcel Sabitza standing there and I thought, oh, good old Ten Hag, nice and sensible. Get Bruno off, get Casemiro off. Make sure the two of them are available for the quarterfinal. But no, it was Fred and Rashford. Eventually Bruno Fernandes did go off. Um... He just doesn't like rotating very much, does he? We should know this by now. He, he doesn't. Um, I did some stuff for the media in Seville before the game and they were asking me which team do you think Manchester United will be playing because there's going to be a lot of changes. I said, I don't think there will be. I said, I think he'll go really strong. Yeah. I didn't realise how strong he would go. I wasn't fully expecting Marcus Rashford to start and Laurie and I were talking about Bruno Fernandes playing again and about the substitutions. I think he got it right because he got it right and we're not talking here now about Casemiro or Bruno missing the, the next game in the next round. Manchester United are thankfully through. I think you've got to look at the bigger picture with this one. 5-1 against a very, very good team from Spain having knocked out Barcelona in the previous round. Manchester United are really making waves in this competition, it's a difficult place to come here. I don't want to get bogged down in cliches, but you had 54,000 people here tonight and it was bouncing. It was really, really good. And Manchester United had to ride that and did do. And I've seen United lose so many games in Spain. United's record in Spain is actually really poor. Even when United were great, go to places and get beaten in, in La Coruña or really struggle in well before this season the they'd been knocked out by Spanish opposition five years in a row hadn't they exactly so to come here and to get that result is really good I think United were much better in the second half they got control of it I thought Harry Maguire had a good game I think you can, yeah, you can pick out positives among the changes uh, Marcus missed a couple of really good chances one was a howler one drew a good save and then he scored that fantastic goal job done get off Get yourself ready for Fulham at the weekend. This is Ten Hag's way of management. I know some United fans are going, he's got to rotate, people are getting tired, but he's seeing them every day. He's getting the, the real-time data uh, as to what zones they're in, how tired they are, how they're feeling. And I know if you spoke speak to a lot of them players who are enjoying playing at United, do you want to sit out the weekend? They say no. They love playing football. No, bring on Fulham, absolutely. We'll preview that game a little bit later on. Just, just last point on the rotation. Bruno Fernandes amazes me, Laurie. 45 matches Manchester United have had this season. He started 42 of them. Uh, he came on as a sub in, in the one where he was left out. The other two games against Charlton and Aston Villa in the Premier League, he was suspended for. So he's literally played every single minute he possibly could. In fact, since the World Cup, he's played 1,957 minutes of a possible 1,980. Is there any concern that he's playing too much he's been to a World Cup this season as well either side of all these appearances I love that you've come to me for this question because this is what my piece is on well there you go I've given you game. some stats again you're very welcome you have actually they're, they're new stats I've got one stat for you though Ian go on you ready for this one so out of all the players in the big five leagues of Europe Bruno Fernandes has played more minutes this season in all competitions than anybody else yeah I'm not surprised so 3,683 minutes it was before tonight 
Uh, and then the next player was David De Gea, 3,600. So it's not and even then, an outfield player stat yeah, then, that's, that's all mad. players. Yeah, it's goalkeepers as well. I mean, that is revealing, that is isn't mad. it? Looking forward and to your piece. There we go. So you, but you've given I've me some it. more... <laughs> you've, you've, you've written it, basically. I've written it, yeah. um, And I asked Ten Hag about this afterwards. I didn't give away my little nugget of a stat uh, in the press conference. I just said, how, how how can you keep picking him? You know, what, what is it about him that allows you to do that? And he just said he's got great energy. He's a brilliant athlete. And as Andy says, he loves playing. And he was really... Um, he went into quite a bit of detail, actually, about the way that he plays. You know, he's very tactically smart, he says. And he, he allows us to... You know, play different systems that then create overloads in, in situations that give us chances. So clearly, he is somebody that he Tenag feels that Brit Fernandez can he can channel his ideas through him on the pitch, and I think that's why he's playing all the time. Because if, if he if he doesn't, he probably feels that he can't. His team doesn't you know work as well as what he wants it to, and, and kind of understand the the instructions that he's giving them. So um, yeah, I mean, he did eventually take him off, didn't he? Sixty eight minutes, I think it was. I was like you, Ian. I was like, how is it not Bruno yet? But right, well, I get these stats sorted and send them across to Laurie to illuminate his piece tonight. I need to tell you about the offer, Donna. If you're not a subscriber to the Athletic and you want to read Laurie's piece, you can be one for one pound ninety nine a month for twelve months. Just sign up at theathletic.com forward slash Man United Pod. Ian, you know um, Seville's got like a reputation for being a world-class city for its restaurants. Yeah. Do you know what Laurie ordered in a restaurant when he got here yesterday? Fish and chips. No, no fish, just chips. He's got. Oh. He's got a plate with chips on and another bit of food. Patatas fritas. No, they're not even patatas fritas. He just it? ordered chips. He's, he's so far away from what I actually ordered. Were chips on your plate? That there were. Did well, they take up most of your plate? Well, yeah. You know, yes sa- or no? In, in scale, yes, but in quality, what I'd ordered was actually a special from the tapas uh, restaurant that we were eating at. Chips. It was not chips. It just came with chips, and obviously I ate the chips. Don't tell my fitness guide. Chips so, Bell Glace was it? Was it? <laughs> no, I don't know what it was, it was called. Well, the, the restaurant was called Pantanchon. Is that? Am I saying that right, Andy? Pantachon. Pantachon. Yeah. And it was a special, uh, and it was chicken, bacon, goat's cheese, and caramel. So, forget the cocktails, I'm now mixing up interesting ingredients, because that's just how I roll. I'm a culture vulture. I don't think it was on Andy's uh, recommendations. Yeah, it sounds weird. But it was really nice. Anyway, speaking of food, Andy, what did I see you whip out of your bag, like, ten minutes into the game? You know, we're in Spain, a place that you know well, yet you're eating chicken sandwich well oh right I wasn't even mentioning that but yeah so Andy thought that he'd had a chicken sandwich from uh, you know that they provided for us very nicely in a little oh yeah yeah but a a cream egg there's nothing wrong with cream (laughs) eggs Cream eggs are lovely. But by the way, it, right? So to Andy's brain is going all, all over the place here, right? So the, the 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 chicken sandwich that he thought was chicken was actually egg. By the way, I mean what? Yeah, it was egg. He, he, he was. I literally had to show him that it was egg. I had, like, I had chicken. I definitely ate chicken. You had egg. I, I don't think you did. And then Danny Webber's next to us going, it was egg, you know, anyway. And then Andy's not finished with the egg. He's had a cream egg. What, what, a cream egg? It's not even hey, Easter. You, you come to Seville and order a plate of chips. You can't tell me anything. I, you, you've come to one of the world's great cities for food and ordered a bag of chips. You, you shouldn't even be allowed to enter into this conversation. I know a lad who goes United, home and away, called George, right? And he's really mistrusting of foreign food. 
So he eats cream eggs on away trips, does he? What's wrong with cream eggs, right? I tell you... Uh, and chips. I, I, I did a bit of research today, and I said, just remind me of the food what George would eat in Europe. And the, the reply is, barely nothing. He only ever used to eat ham or cheese butties, but never ham and cheese butties. And he's never had an egg. So this is a lad who's travelled around the world watching Manchester United, basically thinking that he can only eat exactly the same stuff that he eats in Manchester, which it, is difficult. It, it did make me think, though, sorry if this is a, a detour too far for people, but it did make me think, when, when you come abroad... You're fans, going there anyway, like, mate. So. I'm sorry, we're here now. Listeners, do you like do you go and, and, and eat the local cuisine, or, or do you just stick to like what you know? Because I, I had some lovely um, Sevillan, is that the right phrase? Yeah. Uh, cold soup today, which I think is a, a, a trademark, and also dry cured tuna. Gazpacho, yeah. It wasn't gazpacho; it was called something else. Cold soup. Cold soup. <laughs> okay. I'm going to Google it and remind everyone at the end of the episode because I'm sure everyone's waiting with bated breath. Right, this has got super random, so I'm just going to bring it back to football Thank for a you. moment, if that's okay, uh, because we need to speculate about where else you might be ordering chips uh, later on this <laughs> month, um, because obviously the draw will be taking yeah. place on Friday. We're recording this uh, shortly after 9pm on Thursday night. So, another trip to Seville is in, is in the offing, isn't it, with Sevilla? Um, as we speak now, fine order through, superb 7-1 victory over Shakhtar, Juventus are through, Okay. which has a bit of narrative attached to it because Paul Pogba won't be playing in that match, probably. Mm. Um, it looks like Leverkusen and Roma, Jose Mourinho's Roma are all but through. Mm. Arsenal look like they're through. Uh, there's obviously the Battle of the Unions to sort out as well. Any preference? You did pretty well last time, Andy, predicting Real Betis. So it's another trip to Seville, is it? I love this competition, them teams that you mentioned. You see that piece with Rod Thornley we did the other day? He picked out Feyenoord in 2016 as the best atmosphere he'd ever experienced as a Manchester United employee. Let's and go there again then. I was there that night. It was bordering on frightening, if I'm honest, walking through Rotterdam City Centre. One of the unions. Which unions are in it? Union it's, Berlin and Union yeah. Salgioas. Where are they from? Oh, Belgium. The Belgium team. Yep. Um, I think Union Berlin would be magnificent. Manchester United have not played in Berlin, if I'm not mistaken, since the team went through there in 1965 when Paddy Crerand got stopped at the checkpoint Charlie and said that his name was James Bond and he was a spy. <laughs> and the board officials did not see the funny side of it at all and held the Manchester United team coach up for one hour. That, that, that's an absolute truth. Berlin would be brilliant. I don't think Union and Berlin are Seville. going through anyway. As, as we talk now, they're, okay. they're two goals down in that tie. Of course, so they're still think, playing. So yeah. who's, who's definitely through then? Uh, just who I said, if you were listening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Sevilla, right. Feyenoord, Juventus <laughs> and Manchester United are through, Andy, as well. Who do you want, Laurie? He wants Burnley so we can get some chips. Let's, let's, let's say Feyenoord. I've been, the, the appetite's been whetted by this bouncing atmosphere here. So if, if, yeah. if Rod Thornley's saying that that was a great atmosphere, then let's get over there. Yeah, well, there you go. Crystal balls have been out tonight, so we'll see who Manchester United get on Friday. Juventus. You thought that the uh, the chat about food was random. Well, what about Julia Roberts? Was she out and about supporting MUFC today, Andy? Jeez. I can't believe that I was sat next to the Athletics official Julia Roberts correspondent. I feel so privileged. It's a new role, but it suits him. Right. At 1pm yesterday, I get a request. Would you like to find out what's gone on with Julia Roberts and Manchester United? The inside story. So I have a look and think, there's a couple of people I could ask here. So I asked those people and they... Richard Gere? Agreed to speak to me. Hugh Grant? So... George Clooney. <laughs> so, 
so I wrote the story and it was a bit of fun and I turned it into like celebrity fans and Manchester United have got quite a few and some of them turn up on pre-seasons and, and I pointed out that Curly Watts is a Manchester City fan I was loving how much you would have been laughing to yourself yeah, as you yeah, typed out tell, yeah. Curly yeah. Watts uh, who else? Bernard Manning I, I was thinking as a right I can't remember the other people were have thinking, a look at the beats if you want to know who Andy picked out as Manchester City's most famous fans I was thinking my editor's going to let this get through and I'm going to get so much stick <laughs> off Manchester City fans I, I got a bit in the Seville Guide this week I said the Geralda here the world famous tower is almost as big as the floodlights at Main Road City's all ground <laughs> and then when, I, then when I saw it I'm thinking I love the athletic I absolutely love it that, that was one of my favourite songs as a kid you know they've got the biggest floodlights in the yeah, league because City are a massive club yeah, loved it yeah that was, that was Curly Watts is a celebrity fan blue ketchup at the hot dog stands <laughs> you can go on can't you so, then were the days so I sent the piece at 7pm last night I wake up this morning and I can see it's got a pretty divided reaction you know I usually like Andy's stuff but this is an absolute disgrace <laughs> can, can, I, can, I, can I read the first one uh, Andy it was from made... a man called Norman who lived in Manchester actually wore glasses I think <laughs> no one will get that unless they watched Corrie about 20 years ago the first one I saw was Andy Mitten is a weird man yeah, that, that'll be a city fan. I, like, I was like if only they knew yeah, yeah. defensive so, fair comment so it, that one it doesn't end there right no midway through today my editor says uh, the New York Times you've obviously got a relationship with The Athletic have put it on their front page and it's currently like being read and has been read all day by loads of people and I just got this idea in my head of people in the United States who's Googling Curly Watts Curly Watts <laughs> <laughs> and, and that set me off again <laughs> it just did I can't help it so Julia Roberts is a red so the line what a lot of people got was yeah and Pep Guardiola mentioned it she had been to Old Trafford but using investigative journalistic skills I found out that she'd watched United in 2017 she'd been to two training sessions in 2018 and she'd been to a match as well I'm chasing up a rumour that she went to Newcastle away on the train <laughs> with six cans um, and, a, and a hood up um, Julia if you do listen to this podcast get my number from The Athletic and give me a shout I'll definitely take you to a game if there's any songs that you don't know I'll teach them all to you is that fair enough? that seems fair enough it, sa I mean, it sounds like we're filing with Liz Hurley then Andy is but I was going to say she's no Liz yeah. Hurley no? or is she? Liz Hurley's too posh to like football isn't she? Okay. you, you can see Julia Roberts in the J-stand could you? If Julia Roberts wants to come up to a game, she can put any any part of the ground. Imagine her stood up in the Stratford end, mm. proper going for it. The, why not? She'd enjoy it. She's not going to go home that night, is she, and go, I've had a bad day today. She's going to have a fantastic time. Someone, um, please get this message to Julia. Come to a game. You'll be looked after. And um, they're a winning team now. She started supporting United when the team were bobbins. <laughs> proper fan. So, yeah. you know, you know that... Um, so the reason I explain this in the piece, she shared an agency with Jose Mourinho. This is one of the most um, enthusiastic accounts of one of your pieces I think you've ever <laughs> given, by the way. So she turns up in LA in 2018 pre-season and Jose Mourinho was in a stinking, stinking mood on that pre-season tour, right? I remember driving 70 minutes across LA to go to one of his press conferences and walking out and thinking how can this man be in charge of Manchester United because he clearly does not want to be there and it was a shame because I really liked him I'd done a big interview with him the season before 
and I just I just walked out of that press conference with the most negative feeling going into that season and it was right because winning three months he'd lost his job Julia thankfully turns up with her son Finn who's a big red um, he loved Paul Pogba don't know how he's doing these days and um, Gary Oldman the actor as well but there's, there's loads of United fans who are famous do you as know, you'd expect do you know what I've just thought Andy where are United going on pre-season tour this summer you, you could have this America. reunion LA I can't, I can't have a reunion a with someone I've, ne I've never met <laughs> fair enough a, a union <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll have a union with her imagine you with Julia Roberts I love I eat chips I used to be a good swimmer <laughs> Right, from Julia to Jim and Jasim. See what I did there? Oh, very nice. <laughs> We've unfortunately got much time to talk about the latest on Manchester United's uh, takeover situation because of just how much we've spoken about Chips and Julia Roberts. We will, of course, give it the necessary airtime in the podcast coming up over the international break. There'll be plenty of time to talk about it. But, Laurie, very quickly... There's pieces on The Athletic which are updating the situation, but is there anything more you can bring us? Yeah, just, I mean, it's, it's quite a developing situation, actually, because yeah, they, they were there today at Old Trafford, they were pictured, um, and the piece on The Athletic that Mark Critchley wrote today uh, explains who they were and, and what their roles are with Sheikh Jassim. So it's his advisors and, you know, people connected to the bid rather than him himself. Um, but then uh, tonight we're told that the uh, meetings went on for 10 hours, which is a long old time at Old Trafford. Um, described as productive, so information from, you know, Sheikh Jassim's team to Manchester United, information from Manchester United to Sheikh Jassim's team about, you know, the finer details of the club. You know, so obviously the uh, financial results are out every quarter and, and every year, uh, but this is more about the projected, um, you know, uh, options and, and, and possibilities for Manchester United, you know, stadium um, renovations, um, how much it costs to. Um, you know, uh, give players bonuses and contracts and things like that. So I think it was quite, you know, quite a lot of information was actually shared. Um, so yeah, described as uh, positive, and we believe that there's going to be a, another more detailed bid come in uh, from Sheikh Jassim's team within 10 days. That the indicative bid was obviously just that, you know, an indication of what they'd like to bid. But now with more information, um, you know, they can, I guess, put forward a more. Uh, structured bid uh, and then yeah so Jim Ratcliffe is going to be at Old Trafford tomorrow uh, so Friday maybe when you're listening to this so he's, he's doing it himself um, which is an interesting aspect I suppose because you know he, he does it's coming from Nice you know the club that he owns as well so I mean we've had Alexander Seferin talk about how UEFA's rules on separation probably will be updated so so maybe you know that's an, an area that isn't as uh, scrutinised as it, as it has been but you know the fact that he owns would, would own two clubs potentially in European competition if he if he bought Manchester United but he himself is going to get the same treatment as uh, Sheikh Jassim's team uh, have had um, and yeah I guess we'll see after that whether it's as productive as, as they had it um, but yeah it feels like it's you know developing progressing um, but yeah all options still on the table we believe you know because Elliot group have obviously made their uh, sort of proposal to the Glazers in terms of uh, financing, um, you know, uh, that kind of if, if they wanted to stay. Uh, um, but yeah, there's um, it sounds like a, a sort of a day where more happened than we perhaps expected. Okay, brilliant. Well, if you want to know more, of course, you can go to the Athletic and have a look at the latest articles on the takeover of Manchester United. As Laurie says, it is a developing situation, so there's more and more going to be on there in the coming days. Laurie Whitwell's got his hand in the air. Well, just because I know it's a really important topic, but the cold soup is called Salmorejo. 
Where? Where's it say? Salmarejo. Is that okay? Just so you know, rather than gazpacho, the, the big news of the day. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You've updated that as well. There might be more cold soup updates on the Athletic too. Remember, if you're missing out or you feel like you're missing out on this sort of chat, uh, the written form of all this is of course on the athletic you can sign up now by paying just one pound 99 a month for 12 months go to the athletic.com forward slash man united pod Okay, well, before we preview Fulham, I'm really pleased to say that Talk of the Devils has been nominated for the Best Team Podcast at the Sports Podcast Awards. The vote is now open on the awards website, which is sportspodcastgroup.com. All you need to do is go on there, register and vote for us. Don't worry, we will share a link on Twitter about exactly how to vote, but we would really appreciate your votes, of course. It's the first award that we've ever been nominated for, and Laurie Whitwell wants to get some use out of his purple wedding suit. It was purple, wasn't it? My wedding suit was actually green, but oh, green, I, do, sorry. I, do, I do have a purple suit as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Carl's got purple socks and you've got a purple suit. What? I've got, 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 got myself into. I wore a blue suit at the weekend to my mate's wedding. All I don't colours. think blue's quite as radical as green and purple, really. But it, you are right. But it's it's quite a, a poppy blue. It, it's not a kind of navy. Have you royal got a purple blue. suit, Ian? Heck, no. I've got a black go one, a grey one, and a navy one. That's I'll just sit it. with you if we go to any ceremonies. Just yeah. sit down, wear a normal suit, order a normal drink. I, Carl with his purple socks on, Laurie with his orange suit or whatever he's going to wear. I had a pink bow tie as well with my blue suit, by the way. Jeez. Nice. Well, we would, despite Laurie's choice of, of fashion, we would really appreciate your votes. So look out for the link on our social media accounts. Right. Running out of time a little bit, but we need to preview a small matter of an FA Cup quarter final this weekend against Fulham at Old Trafford. On to the next one, isn't it? I mean, we've had so many of these games at United uh, just lately. They're just sort of looking after themselves, aren't they? Andy's yawning. He's bored of home draws, aren't you, Andy? Well, we can't get any more home draws. We've actually extinguished <laughs> until next season now. There's never. Uh, if we get through to the semi-finals, there's one more home game. But yeah, home draws have gone, haven't they? Yeah, it's gone. The draws have done for this season and every single chance that Manchester United had to play at Old Trafford, well... They've taken come, it. Has come out in the draw like that. Yeah. So Fulham, they've been watched very closely by Manchester United. They weren't perceived to have done well in their last couple of matches. They've had a couple of disappointing results in an otherwise uh, very uh, good season. It's thick and fast. I absolutely love that Manchester United are engaged in all of these competitions. It was a very narrow win, wasn't it? It was the last game before the World Cup when Garnacho got the winner at Fulham at Craven Cottage in front of that stand that's never going to be finished. It's still not finished. <laughs> Been building it since the 1960s. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. I'm going to be sat in your seat, Ian, on Sunday. Oh, yeah, sounds good. In the telly seat, yeah. I'm going to just do an impression of you. Every time the ball comes in front of me, I'm going to pretend that I'm looking concerned. <laughs> just look really bored. Everyone gives me grief for always looking bored. It's like, I don't know that there's a camera pointing at me. I'm just watching the match. Or, technically, I'm not watching the match. I'm working, obviously. There's a slight distinction there. Um, in terms of Fulham, Laurie, They've maybe gone off the boil a little bit. They've had a brilliant season, haven't they? Absolutely. been one of the surprise packages of this season, although there's been a lot of surprises in the Premier League. Not least the fact that there's nine teams still fighting against relegation, which just seems mm. absolutely crazy. It's so tight down there. Of course, Fulham aren't one of them. They're doing pretty well. But they've only won two of the last eight matches. Alexander Mitrovic, who's been one of the success stories of their season, hasn't scored for nine games either. Uh, I feel like I'm doing a Southampton stroke Bazunu Karl Anker <laughs> thing here, but United should be okay, shouldn't they? 
I think so. I mean, I watched the highlights of the Arsenal game um, at Craven Cottage and, and they, they, they picked them apart, really. I mean, they were obviously 3-0 up inside first half and it, it could have been more and they kind of eased up, didn't they? Um, I don't know how much of that is Arsenal being really good, to be fair. Or... They miss Polina as well, don't they? He's missed three yeah. league games this season and they've lost them all. He's back for this after suspension. But yeah, they, okay. Arsenal did seem comfortable in that game, didn't they? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I suppose that's an interesting one, obviously, Casemiro, you know, conversely being suspended for it. Although, I kind of thought, and I know he started with Fred, and maybe that's just a natural thing, you know, Fred and McTominay again, but Sabitzer, I just thought he came on and did things again, was, was tidy, kind of sort of mopping up, but also getting forward. So I don't know how he would necessarily fit. I mean, it's kind of, I, I did, the piece that I did actually uh, this week is, is about that, um, you know, what is the replacement for Casemiro? And, and Sabitzer has really similar numbers to him in terms of like tackles, interceptions per game. Um, things like touches on the ball so he's probably the I don't know the most like for like because Fred's a bit more you know combative isn't he he's a, a bit more erratic I suppose <laughs> whereas Sabitz is, it feels a bit calmer um, but yeah you'd think that they would have enough for them I just yeah. they're in a you know they've obviously responded pretty well to that drubbing against uh, Liverpool sorry for mentioning it and, and you kind of feel that they're still on a, a decent confidence level that they, they should be able to get past Fulham and he, like I say he managed to take off the players that needed to come off didn't he um, you know in, in Martinez as well as Bruno eventually Marcus Rashford yeah. and, and the like so yeah I feel like this should be I mean they're straight out of here weren't they you know they're, they're yeah. on, on the flight they'll be back home good time it, it, I, I, these early kickoffs in Europe are really beneficial to them because it doesn't mean they get back at 3am in the morning to Manchester no it gives you two time to go out and we'll get to that in just a moment <laughs> I've just thinking. had a really random thought where was Anthony Martial he, he didn't travel, yeah. He trained. He just keeps on not being fit, you know. Whatever the reason is, you know, is it is, is. We've had this repeatedly, haven't we? I mean, Ralph Ranjit got into trouble with him over it in terms of him saying that he wasn't fit, or, or you know, the, and, the, and the medics thinking that maybe he could push himself to to be fit. I, I don't know in this instance what's exactly going on. I haven't made those calls um, on this one, but um, that was certainly the case under Ralph Ranjit, and it's been such a long time now, hasn't it? It's, it's a hip problem. But he's training, so like, what, what's what's the issue? He can't even come on for five minutes, ten minutes. I mean, it, it seems very curious. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Um, we'll obviously wait ten hours latest on that, maybe ahead of the Fulham game. Um, Andy, Laurie, where are you off to then? Come on, let's let's round it off in the right way. What are you two doing in Seville tonight? Well, I'm gonna maybe take Andy back to where my hotel is um, oh, because it's right by. Oh no, yeah. Well, you know, we are Jeez, close. You're not Julia Roberts. <laughs> Um, Setas de Sevilla, which I think is in your guide, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is in the guide. So yeah, it's the big yeah. wooden sculpture. I think, glad glad that you followed it closely. Well, I've been, I came here last summer actually, so I saw it then. But um, it's literally that 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 amazing landmark is is right outside my hotel window, and there's a couple of bars underneath that, so I can get Andy a nice beer, cerveza. And is that what we're doing? Um, I'm going to refuse that invitation because I'm going to study Fulham for the weekend. <laughs> I've just been seeing that Andreas Pereira has started every single Fulham game this season in the Premier League. So that's really interesting. So I'm going to study statistics hard. I'm going to avoid alcohol. And then I'm going to travel tomorrow from Sevilla to Salford, seriously, overland, first to Barcelona by train. And then I'm flying to Salford for the Athletics. So I'll be able to talk about this next week. It's a good story, trust me. I wouldn't be going all that way because I'm flying with someone who wants to uh, fly with me on the plane and he's a really interesting person you know who it is don't Andy's you Andy's Tom who it is and I can uh, confirm that he's actually not giving it the Andy Mitten topspin here it's, it's, it's genuinely a, pretty interesting yeah so um, I'll have a couple of drinks uh, tonight maybe order a couple of chips and then um, away we go top city 
Wish we could stay longer here. Well, it sounds like you two have got a lot to look forward to tonight, so I won't keep you any longer. Go and enjoy yourselves. Watch out, Seville. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you for listening at home as well. And we'll see you on the next one after Fulham. Take care. Bye-bye. Athletic.